you. Are you a Mary or a Martha? That is the question that is most often sparked by the passage that we're going to read today. Are you a Mary or a Martha? It's how it's been presented to me growing up and in preachers that I've heard before. And for me, it brings two pictures of hospitality. You might not have a clue what I'm talking about right now. You might know exactly what I mean. But for me, it brings two pictures, one of like really laid back, chilled hospitality, kind of let everyone host themselves, or being really overly busy and doing much serving. And we're going to find out more from that in our passage in a minute. It's in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to put your finger in it now. But as Jem said, I'm Bethany, and this is the eighth message in our summer teaching series, which is all about meeting Jesus. And we've been hearing stories throughout the Gospels of experiences with Jesus and how he encounters all sorts of people, and particularly people who are unseen and marginalized. I imagine most of you will know a time where you felt kind of on the outside of a circle, pushed to the edge. I know that I can think of many. Probably for me, not more so than being, I'll admit, quite a strange child who, when out with her friends for a meal, would order salad and water in McDonald's. <laughs> if a child is looking for a way to isolate themselves and alienate themselves from their 10-year-old buddies, that is the way. Order a house salad with balsamic dressing and tap water in McDonald's. There you go. In our passage today, we're going to be reading about our God who reaches out to the people who are most crowded out in society, far more than ordering salad in McDonald's, the people who are most pushed to the edge, unseen and unnoticed. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from verse 38 in the ESV. If you don't have a Bible, the words are going to appear on the screens behind me. So in Luke 10, verse 38, it says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And it's not entirely clear whereabouts in the timeline of Jesus' ministry this story comes, but in Luke, he has just told the parable of the Good Samaritan, which focuses on one aspect of our relationship, and that's with others, with our neighbor. And Jesus commends serving others. And then this focuses on a slightly different aspect of our walk, and that is about relationship, discipleship with God. If you entered the village that Jesus has entered, it's called Bethany, which is same as my name, <laughs> great, which is where the story is based. It might be to rest from the overcrowding of the city. It's right near Jerusalem, and lots of people did the journey from Jericho all the way up to Jerusalem, which ascended over 3,500 feet in a relatively short distance. So you might be able to imagine taking your sandals off, resting your feet, taking the luggage off your back, resting for a meal, resting for the night, or it might be that you live there in the village at the foot of the Mount of Olives, and you're used to gazing out over the Kidron Valley up at the splendorful, magnificent holy city. But Bethany is somewhere that Jesus spent lots of time. He spent a significant amount of time here. He comes here regularly. It's often called his Judean home. He has friends here. He can relax here. He's at home here. And the friends that he chooses to stay with are Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, who are siblings. Now, in my children's Bible growing up, I remember illustrations of this story and it had Jesus sat in a chair 
with two women, one sat on the floor by his feet and one who was busying herself, running around, cooking, clattering pots and pans. And this is a bit of a misrepresentation of the story here, if nothing else, because Jesus did not travel alone. There were not just three people involved here. And not even just 12 apostles, but a multitude of people. Just before this, Jesus has commissioned 72 people to go ahead of him into the places that he is going to visit. And they have returned to him. And so it suggests that all of these people are with him at the time. All of these people. He kind of brings a bit of a logistical ordeal here. The kind of situation that needs an organizational mastermind to navigate. I don't know if you've hosted that many people, but that is a lot to have in your home. And Martha, who is the hostess, she is a friend of Jesus, but this can't have always been easy. If, I don't know if you've ever hosted 70 people, but can you imagine the stress? For me, I'm thinking about the shopping list, the length of it, the bill at my local Aldi, the plates and the cups. I don't think that plastic and paper cups and plates were a thing back then. And then the, li- the long to-do list that you probably feel like you're never going to get to the end of. And then also the food to cook, the beds to make up, the bathroom cleanup after 70 men. <laughs> and probably how much more so knowing that it's Jesus himself who's coming to stay in your home. That is, that is a pretty stressful situation. We don't know the ins and outs of what was actually required, what kind of work was required, but we get a sense of it from the word that Luke uses. In verse 40, your Bible probably says distracted, that Martha was distracted. But this actually means being pulled in all directions. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I know how I have. You might have had to juggle a big work project, new colleagues, the cost of living increases and how that might affect you. You might be a student who's balancing uni exams, coursework deadlines, finding a place to live next year, summer plans, the latest Rev Church student social. (laughs) I can think of countless times where I've been mid-chore and in one moment, a phone call comes in from a doctor, the doorbell rings, one of my children wants a snack, the other child has trapped his finger in his bin lorry toy, the dishwasher beeps, and then rain starts falling on the washing that is almost dry on the line. And then in that moment, None of those things can completely hold my attention. I can feel pulled and stretched in all directions. I can really empathize with that. So Martha was busy. And you can probably then empathize with the frustration and exasperation with her sister when she discovers her. I can imagine Martha on her way to the well to get another pail of water to bring back to the house or walking into the main room to deliver the next batch of stew and cheese and breads and meats and dried fruit, and finding her sister sitting on the floor. We don't know. They might have had an agreement. One of them was meant to be making the dinner. One of them was meant to be making the beds. But at this point, I wonder if Mary started to question the place that she had taken by Jesus' feet. She might be starting to think, should I also be running around? I can see my sister doing that. Hmm, maybe that's what I should be doing too. And how often do we see what others are doing and question if we should be doing the same? It's so easy, isn't it? It's all too easy to want to join in with what we see around us, either physically or through an app on our phones. But even if it looks right, if it's not seeking God first, it falls to nothing. It's not for you. And living as a Mary who sits at the feet of Jesus in a world of Martha's means first looking to God and not to the people that you follow on social media. So Martha might be feeling pretty frustrated with what her little sister is doing, but there's another thing as well. She was most likely feeling shame. 
If we back up a little bit, women in first century in the Near East were often viewed as less, and they were truly pushed to the edge. A few weeks ago, Jem did an amazing job of, she was teaching on Jesus healing a sick woman, and she placed us really well in the narrative of how women were viewed at the time. I don't know if you've listened to it. If you haven't, go and have a listen. But we know that Jesus said uh, that this, in the time it was said that, that women were categorized among, alongside children and slaves. They were said to be most suited to indoor life, and their work belonged in the home, which allowed men the time to study. They were not worth educating. They were seen as unteachable. And on top of that, they were the source of sexual temptation, it was said. To the point where a man talking to a woman, even his wife, on the street outside their home, would be shameful. Which would be like me meeting my husband Robin at the end of our road, and even the acknowledgement of each other being unwise. So talking to a woman who was not related to you in the privacy of an inside room would be seen as downright scandalous. Not just frowned upon, but everyone who was involved would be considered dishonorable, disreputable, and disgraceful. And in this account, we see that Mary is sat by a man who she's not related to, which is then a potential source of shame on Martha's household. Even Martha, who is the elder sister and the hostess, inviting Jesus into her home would have raised eyebrows. But far more than that, Mary sat at his feet. And I don't know what you think about when you think of someone sat at someone's feet, but it's not actually a picture of someone staring adoringly at an idol or doting on or pandering to or overindulging them. It's actually, in this context, to maintain a posture of pupillage, of listening and of learning. And so Mary was quietly claiming her place as someone who was learning to teach God's word and proclaim the coming kingdom. And here we pick up in the story what Martha says in verse 40. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. The way she asks expects an affirmative reply. She thinks Jesus is going to back her up here. And I wonder if other rabbis would have done that. If they were teaching, That they would have said, actually, Mary, your place is not here. It belongs in the unseen spaces serving us. Martha has started tallying up her sister's wrongs and comparing and she's forgotten who she's speaking to. She says, don't you care? Don't you care? Jesus is a close friend, but she's forgotten that he's God himself and that he cares about her deeply and wholly. And it's not until this point, as Martha is confronting Jesus, that then he addresses her activities and then gently and so tenderly rebukes her priorities. And we read in verse 41, he says this, Martha, Martha, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Or in the NIV, it says this, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to be really clear here that Jesus is not putting down serving or the work of the home. If you've spent any time in this role or in hospitality, you know that it's not a glamorous role. I'm a stay-at-home mum, and I know that it is valuable work, the work of the home, but it's not highly valued in our world. And discipleship and following Christ should involve serving the world as well as studying the word, and therefore service should rightly be brought to a higher place within discipleship than where it's often commonly held. Jesus isn't saying that the tasks of the home are not valuable. He sees Martha He shows her that she has his attention. He uses her name twice, Martha, 
Martha. He knows her intentions. And he's the one who encourages good hospitality. The story before this, as I said earlier, is the well-known story of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus is talking about loving and serving our neighbor. Martha's serving is important. Jesus knows who traveled with him would have relied upon the active hospitality of people like Martha, the people who could feed many, sleep them in their homes, so that God himself could continue in ministry. And without Martha, there wouldn't be food and water for them, clean sheets, I'm thinking spare phone chargers, toilet paper, morning coffee. But Martha has lost sight of what's more important. Her efforts to serve have left behind truly attending to her guests, and especially the one who deserves her attention the most. Now, I don't want to pit the actions of Mary and Martha against each other, because that's not the point of this passage. Jesus isn't calling Martha's work unimportant, but he's challenging her through commending Mary's devotion. And Mary's devotion is the response to social and cultural boundaries that are broken through Jesus' ministry. Because sitting at Jesus' feet at the time was the role of a male disciple. And Jesus is commending Mary for something that at the time was not the norm at all. And in Jesus saying this to her, he is not bringing down the status of men, but he is elevating women to the same level of discipleship. The commentator Tom Wright says this, Mary has crossed a border in the house to the men's space and a border in social standing. She claimed what was rightfully hers through Jesus. It was scandalous for Mary to sit and rest in a male-dominated space. Only a shameless person would act in this way. She claimed what was rightfully hers, and I love that. Only a shameless person would act in this way. Because of Jesus' acclamation of Mary's actions, he is saying that the marginalized, the people who are on the edge of society, usually confined to the unseen spaces, are invited to sit unashamedly at Jesus' feet, to listen, to learn, to be students, to be in fellowship with him, to be counted amongst his disciples. Earlier in Luke, Jesus taught, gave authority to, and then sent out his 12 apostles. And then he taught, gave authority to, and then sent out 72 disciples. And Jesus is saying to Mary through this, and to us as well, you can learn, grow spiritually, gain my authority, and I'm sending you out to teach as I do. Because learning and teaching the gospel is for everyone. Each of us is called to be ambassadors for the kingdom and to make disciples. We know it from the Great Commission, go and make disciples, which is a calling not just for people who are extroverts or well-spoken or from a particular country or with a certain set of chromosomes. <laughs> if you know Jesus, it's for you as well. And whether you're proclaiming the gospel from a stage or a playmat at a toddler group or over coursework groups or over lunch at the office, it's for you. And in the same way that Jesus invited Mary to come and play a part in advancing the kingdom of God by devoting herself to sitting, listening, and learning, so it is with us as well. But hearing the voice of God in 21st century Britain takes a really active approach, doesn't it, of putting aside those jobs and the to-do lists. Because the activities and settings may have changed over the last 2,000 years, but the challenge of the passage hasn't. Our world values, above lots of other things, career ambition, work on self, striving, egocentricity, instant gratification. 
It's one of, our culture is one of busyness, the next best thing, the, the Pinterest home, the carefully curated social media page. And it makes this passage more relevant than ever for us. And most of us will probably see an element of devotion and distraction in ourselves. So I want to ask the question, are our eyes truly fixed on the one we are serving? Because if we lose sight of the kingdom, if our gaze is not on him, and the larger goal, our gaze stays on the mundane tasks. And then we might start to serve excessively to override spiritual discipline, which will then just fall to legalism and resentment. And if you notice in this, cell, this in yourself, this might actually be God's invitation to you to stop, listen, come and sit unashamedly at his feet. Listen to him first. Or instead of looking up, if our gaze is not in the kingdom, we start looking to the right or to the left. There's that, there's that quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. But I think it's more than that. Comparison undermines the one who gives us joy, undermines the joy giver. And then as Martha did, as she started comparing, start keeping a record of the wrongs of others. And then we lose perspective on where we're going and who we're serving. Throughout this series, whether you've heard one message or all of them, we've been hearing teaching on Jesus meeting the people who are deemed outsiders. Jesus sought out the marginalized, the broken, the uneducated, the unwell, the unloved, the people no one wanted around, the people who were unworthy of opinions or status. And then he himself crossed boundaries so that we can step into a life of learning him. That one thing, that good portion, better choice that Mary inherits, that is available to Martha as well in this story. Because Jesus offers her not a way out of serving, but into fulfillment and purpose in him. Jesus is drawing these women to himself to bestow on them a crown of dignity and worth. For Mary and Martha, their, their lives would have kind of fitted into a, quite a small circumference around their home. And in Jesus' tender correction of Martha, he is extending an invitation. He's shifting their perspectives shaking up their worlds, bringing unexpected freedom and calling them to something bigger. And that invite is available for you as well. And to rest in the presence of Jesus, we just simply spend time with him. And how do we do that? We just pause, we take up a posture of listening and then we accept his instructions. I wonder if you've ever been into a house and then been ignored because there's too much other stuff happening. You might have even been a recipient of that kind of invite into our home. Martha initiates the inviting in of Jesus. She makes the space, she extends the welcome, but then her priorities shift. I know I'm guilty of doing it all the time, inviting Jesus in, saying, Lord, speak to me. And then I remember, oh, I've got to get that load of washing on, or I've got some messages to respond to, or everyone's talking about that new series on Netflix. I should watch that first. I don't know if you can see yourself in that, inviting Jesus in, but then busying yourself and then getting distracted from the reason that we even do in the first place. A few months ago, my husband Robin fitted an extractor fan in our kitchen. Bear with me on this. And he had great fun using his SDS drill to drill a massive hole in our kitchen wall. <laughs> fitted an extractor fan. And it does the job. It's great. When the humidity reaches a certain level in our kitchen, it turns on and it makes it less steamy in the kitchen. Great. But it is slightly noisy when it's on. So we were finding that in the day, it's fine having a little background hum. 
But then when we were sitting down to eat dinner together or something as a family, we were finding it a bit distracting. And when I was having a particularly busy week a couple of months ago, God spoke to me through this, and he said, when you want to listen, you turn off the background noise. And my husband Robin knew a clever way to make a, an app on our phone when we click it, turns the extractor fan on, off, so we can do that, great. But that is what God spoke to me through. He said, when you want to focus, just like when we sit and eat a meal together, we want to focus, we want to hear what our kids are saying, we want to hear about each other's days, we turn off the background noise so that we can focus and listen and give each other our full attention. And he said to me, that you just need to take a moment, just switch off the background noise for a minute and just listen to what I have to say. And for me, that often is just taking a minute in the middle of a busy day, more so when it's a busy day, and just saying, I'm just going to stop thinking about the other things for a bit and just listen to you, God. Because we get to enter into close and personal relationship with God, not by busying and with much serving, but by simply opening the door of our hearts and inviting him in and spending time with him. Jesus doesn't require our efforts, but he longs for our attention towards him. We can't work our way into God's kingdom, but Jesus is the way into God's kingdom. The life of Jesus broke down those cultural barriers to sitting with him. The death of Jesus broke the hold of sin and shame over us. And then the resurrection of Jesus means that we are raised with him and we get to devote ourselves to him forever. And then being raised with him means that our lives are given that whole new purpose as we seek to advance his kingdom. And it's through the finished work of the cross that our shame and our disgrace was transferred to him. He exchanged his spotless record for our filthy ones and instead bestows on us honor, righteousness, dignity, and worth. And by simply asking the Lord Jesus into our lives, we accept the good portion, which itself is close fellowship with him. And then by sitting with him first, we choose the one thing that Mary chose, the one thing that is best. Can I invite the band up? We're not told exactly how this story ends. Luke kind of leaves us in suspense as to what actually happened on that particular occasion. Did Martha continue with her clattering pots and pans and many preparations? Or did she take her rightful place next to her sister? We don't know. But what we do know is what happens during a later encounter between Martha and Jesus. Lots of you will be familiar with the story of um, Martha and Mary's brother, Lazarus, dying and Jesus coming to raise him from the dead, which in itself is amazing. But when Jesus arrives in Bethany to the mourning family, this time Martha is ready to listen. And in doing so, Jesus reveals something about himself to her. In John 11, it says this. Jesus said to her, that's Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And though we're talking about inviting God in, we see it's actually him who is showing the radical and way more life-changing hospitality to us. He invites us to live in him, which is a gift that is way better than any other host could give. He offers life with him, and then no one can take that heavenly reward. It will not be taken away from us. Before, we saw that Martha was distracted. Her focus was on her tasks and her sister's activities. And then she missed seeing Jesus, 
from learning from him. But now, in John 11, she is attentive. Her focus is on Jesus. She can clearly see who he is and what he can do. And that's exactly what we're going to spend some time doing now. We're going to be attentive to him. We're going to focus on Jesus, and we're going to spend some time worshipping him for who he is.